We began a series last Sunday. Does anybody know the name of the series? I am. You guys did good. Uh, you can find that online. We've got, you can follow our Facebook. I've got a podcast under my name. You can search it, Spotify. It's on there. Uh, you can find that message if you weren't able to hear it last week. This week, I want to look at John chapter 8. I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, and we're going to begin here at verse 12. Would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's word in this house. John chapter 8 and verse 12, and this is what it says. <clears throat> Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Everybody say, I am. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees, therefore, said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. But Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. I know where I come from and I know where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is written in your law, and that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sends me bears witness of me. He said to them, Where is your Father? They said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Verse 20, the words Jesus spoke, these words Jesus spoke in the treasury. Everybody say treasury. treasury. This is important for our, our story today. As he taught in the temple, no one laid hands on him for his hour, hour had not yet come. Wow. Well, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word together. Jesus, I, I thank you for your word. And I just ask you, Lord, that even right now, today, you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives. Lord, I pray that there would be an anointing that would rest upon me, that I would preach under the unction of your Holy, uh, under your Holy Spirit, mighty God. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint every person within the sound of my voice, those in this room, those joining us online. Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear what your spirit is speaking in this time, in this hour. And Lord, I bind the works of the enemy, he who would seek to divide, to distract, to distort, to confuse the word even as it comes forward, Lord. I pray you would give us liberty in receiving your word today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. I love the Gospel of John. In fact, it's probably my favorite book, at least in the New Testament. Uh, did you know the Gospel of John was only written for one reason? One reason in John chapter 20 and verse 31, it says this book was written that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through him. So I want you to understand every time you read the gospel of John, you can know that the book of John is trying to prove to you the deity or the godship of Jesus and that when we believe in Jesus, uh, that we would put our faith in him and be saved. That's the entire point of the Gospel of John. Now, we began looking last week at a, a number of statements that were made uh, when Jesus said, I am. Everybody say, I am. I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. When Jesus said, I am, you remember what the Lord spoke to Moses when he was saying, go to e Egypt, uh, uh, you set my captives free and that whole thing. Well, who, who do I say sent me, Lord? And you guys remember what he said? I am. Tell them I am sent you. And you'll see that's a phrase that was used in the Old Testament a number of times. And here in the New Testament, in fact, we know that Jesus made the same claim. That he was essentially saying that the same I am that commissioned Moses is who is standing before you today. And we know that the people understood this because in John 8, see our language kind of confuses things in English. But 
They understood exactly. And we know this because in John chapter 8, there was a moment where Jesus was teaching the Jews. And there was a statement where he was talking about Abraham. And they begin to ask him, you talk about Abraham like you were there, which is confusing because Abraham was 2,000 years before Jesus. But Jesus said, even before Abraham was, I am. And we know that the people understood because the Bible says that they actually took up stones intending to stone Jesus because he was claiming to be God. And we looked at that last week. You can go again, as I said. But he made a number of I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they are all very powerful. But today, we want to talk about the light of the world. Everyone say the light of the world. world. Jesus, he did a good job. He was always making illustrations, you understand. He'd find a a woman who had walked for miles sitting by a well who was thirsty. And he would tell her, I can give you living water. Or he would find people who had been walking for days without food, following him, receiving his teaching. And he would say, uh, you know, they begin asking Jesus, can we have some bread? And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He was always trying to find ways to connect with things that, with they could relate to. Now, uh, I'm just going to tell you guys, uh, very few of us uh, have ever been hungry to the point of starvation. In spite of what your kids may tell you, I mean, my kids, they get like four hours and I'm starving. No, you're not starving. Try following Jesus around the wilderness for four days. Then you're hungry. You understand what hunger... Very few of us have experienced that unless you've intentionally gone on a fast or something. But one thing that we can all relate to is this idea of light and dark. Right? Uh, Minister Rylin and I, in fact, uh, what was that, two, three weeks ago, we were on Hilo side. And there's a number of caves. You guys ought to go check it out if you never have. We saw just off the highway, there was a, there was a cave. And so we decided we were going to go check out the cave. And we uh, went down in there. And uh, my wife got scared and she turned around. And so we decided we weren't going to go too far. And uh, it is true. So, uh, okay, she didn't have shoes on. Come on, you grew up on Molokai. This, she can walk on lava rock without problem. So whatever, I don't know. I think it was the dark. In any event, we decided, I I just wanted to go down far enough. Because if you go down even just a couple hundred yards, you'll get to this point where no natural light is able to come in at all. And what was wild is, so, so me and Minister Rylin, we did that. We went down, down far into this cave, far enough that there was no natural light that was there. And uh, he didn't want to do this part, but I said, turn off your light. <laughs> but we both did. We decided to, and we, uh, all we had was our, our, the, phone, uh, the light on our camera, or on our phone. And, uh, and we both turned off the light, and boy, it's... It's a sobering experience. You ought to just go try it. I think there's some caves on this side. I don't know where they are, but uh, I've heard that there are. You ought to go try this sometime and just go sit in the dark there. You know what's wild? Your other senses just start going crazy. It's like you start hearing things. Maybe they're there or they're not. Uh, uh, but there's absolutely nothing. You can hold your hand in front of your face. You can see absolutely nothing. Your sense of smell, uh, uh, all of your senses just become elevated. And what's wild is, I mean, I could turn on my camera phone, uh, my, my, my phone light right now. And uh, is this hurting anybody's eyes? I mean, maybe you stare right at it. But, but this is nothing. I mean, I'm shining it over here. And I, can't, I can barely see the reflection off of Brother Lee's pants. But what's amazing is when we were down in that cave, I turn on this little light of mine. That was dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. I turn on this little light, and it was enough to light up the entire cavern down there. I was able to see everything because in darkness, light shines more brightly. It's absolutely incredible. You ought to go try this sometime. And uh, we all understand what darkness is. 
You and I, I mean, we live in a dark world. And I'm telling you, as we see darkness grow, as we see darkness increase, it will. We need to contend more and more to see the light of the world be revealed. It's so incredibly important. And so you'll remember the Bible talks about Jesus as the light of the world. Very often in John 1, Jesus shares about how he, or the Bible says how he had come into the world. How light had come into the world. But we also know that they didn't perceive the light. They didn't accept the light because they loved their darkness. We'll see in, um, in, in a number of places, it's a common theme all throughout Scripture. But I want to draw your attention first to the setting of this story. Now, this is, this is awesome. Can I teach you guys for a moment? I think this is really going to help you. Uh, this, this absolutely blew my mind. Does anybody remember where Jesus was speaking from as he was giving this discourse on the light of the world? From the treasury. Everybody say the treasury. treasury. Have you ever seen pictures of the temple? You might have seen, I mean, if you've got a study Bible, there's probably a picture in there somewhere. This is what they would call the second temple, um, or, or some would call it Herod's temple because it was actually remodeled during the time of Herod the Great. And so Herod uh, had, had had this all reconstructed. They put outer courts and everything. But let me tell you the construction because this is important. So moving from the inside out, you had in the, the very center of the temple what they called the most holy place. This is where the annual sacrifice of atonement took place. Only the high priest one time a year could go into that place to offer that sacrifice, right? Beyond that, you had the holy place. Not the most holy place, but the holy place. This was also reserved only for priests who were allowed to go in there. Beyond that, you had the outer courts. What were they? The outer courts. I just want to make sure you guys are trekking with me. The outer courts. Now, this is where the main altar of sacrifice was. If you wanted to bring, you know, just a, a regular sin offering or you wanted to just bring some incense to worship the Lord, uh, that's where that altar was. Beyond that, you had what most diagrams will call the court of women. Or the treasury. Now the reason they call it the court of women is because only Jewish, Jewish women, that was the last place that they were allowed to come. Now if they wanted to bring an offering, they could come into the outer courts. They could give an offering at the altar. But as far as where they would hang out and spend their time, they would stay in the court of women. Beyond that court was the court of the Gentiles. And that is where anybody who, had not, uh, who was not Jewish, uh, who had not been converted to Judaism or was not born Jewish, that was the last area that they were allowed to go into. Are you guys trekking with me so far? Okay, so you've got all of, these, all of these different layers. So where Jesus is speaking now is what they call the court of women or the temple treasury. This is where most of the people would be hanging out. And it's important to note as well that this was during what we call the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a whole 40 day of remembrance uh, as they were honoring these, this, this season where the Lord sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness under Moses, right? So 40 years they would remember for 40 days and they would build up... Uh, tabernacles or tents uh, as a remembrance, as a memorial of the season where they lived in tents in the desert, okay? And so uh, you go on and on. Now, here's what's interesting. In the treasury, there were 13 giving boxes. They were like little chests that were all around the court, and they had funnels in the top you would drop your offerings into. Now, the first two boxes were the temple tax. So you'd come in, everybody had to give the temple tax if you were coming or going from the temple. Everyone paid this for the general upkeep of the building. Boxes three and four, and they, they alternate on either side. Boxes three and four are where you bought pigeons. Pigeons were used for sin sacrifice or uh, for ceremonies of cleansing, of purifying, okay? And so even, for example, if a woman was about to give birth, 
They had to go through a cleansing ritual in which you would have to go buy two pigeons. Then you would go and you would take it into the outer courts and you would give it at the altar. And this would be the the purity rite uh, so you could maintain your purity even in childbirth. Does it make sense? So uh, maybe it doesn't make sense. It's pretty crazy, but that's what the Bible teaches, okay? And so uh, you would give pigeons. uh, Box five was where you would buy the wood. They didn't just have wood burning. Uh, No, you actually had to go purchase wood for the sacrifice that was given for you. So you had to go buy wood. You'd buy your pigeons and you'd go give the offering. uh, Box six was used to buy incense. And they would burn as an act of worship to the Lord. Box seven was used for the general upkeep of the various vessels that were used. It was used to buy uh, cleaning materials to, to polish the gold and the, you know, to replace candlesticks or bowls or whatever items that they needed in the, in the temple. And then boxes eight through 13 were just general offering boxes. You would give that as a general offering and the leadership of the temple would decide uh, where that was going to go to, what the need of the hour was. And so Jesus here is hanging out where the givers are. I want you to think about this because this is where the most people would have been, but it is also where the mature people would have been. You understand, like, I actually was joking around with my wife. We actually did find an architect who's beginning to work on our large space over here. And I told Leah, I said, we should build a giving room. I mean, imagine if you walk in and you've got this whole giving room that you give to. And if you want to worship, you got to give. I mean, that's what they had going on here. That's maybe not a good idea for the modern church. But I, uh, I look at it, and it's pretty neat, man, how interactive their worship was. I think it's super cool. And so, so they go into there, and, and, and you just imagine, like, let's go hang out in the giving room. Who hangs out in the giving room? Not the casual givers, not the people that just want to hear what the rabbis are talking about today. No, there are mature people who are hanging out in the treasury. And so what happens is you go to the temple, you want to get past the first court, you got to be a member. You have to have converted to Judaism, which can be up to a seven-year process, by the way. And you go to the next level, you have to give. Now, we've talked about, I received one offering today. There will be occasions where we will receive as a church a second offering. And the times like that will be like, you know, if we have a special need, something we need to build, or if we have a guest speaker, we might receive two offerings. I don't know if I personally have ever received more than two offerings in a service. Dr. Morocco, oh my goodness, he's got no shame in receiving offerings. That guy will receive three and four offerings sometimes in a service because I'll tell you what that man has walked through and the anointing on his life for giving is absolutely incredible. I I, I pray for it. He gives supernaturally. He gives more than his annual salary every year which is just mind-boggling. He's tapped into supernatural giving. But you imagine if every time you came to church, you were required to give seven different offerings. And then, eight through 13, right? You had, you had other offerings that you were also encouraged to give. Could you imagine a church... They received offerings like that. I'll tell you, we get whiny about 10%. Well, why do we have to tithe? You, you understand this model of giving required them to give almost 40%. Someone say, thank you for the tithe. <laughs> That's a big deal. And so you'd, you'd go through this. And by the way, this was not some like weird theology of the Pharisees, by the way. No, this was the model that the Lord had established. This wasn't like robbery of the people. This is how it was set up. This was acceptable in the eyes of God. And so you imagine they received 13 offerings and then Jesus, he comes into this place and this is where he begins to share with them uh, certain ideas. Now, this is what he says in verse 12. Uh, John chapter 8, he said, Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. 
He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, just so you understand, he is quoting a very familiar passage and one that all of these guys would be familiar with. And I'm going to talk about why it mattered that he was saying it even right there. But there were many prophecies in the Old Testament about the light of the world. And there's no confusion about that phrase. Now, people may look at somebody and it's interesting that we even symbolize a good idea or someone who's smart by a light bulb on their head, right? This is like, you know, we talk about some that they're, you know, they are a light or they have light or this person is shedding some light on an issue. Jesus didn't claim any of those things. He was claiming to be something much bigger than that. The light of the world not the light to the jews not a light to the ignorant not a light on a certain situation the light of the world everybody say the light of the world in isaiah 42 6 you can read about it there's a prophecy about the light of the world in isaiah 49 6 in fact i why don't you turn there real quick isaiah 49 6 this thing absolutely blew my mind i remember reading this when i was a student in bible school and I began to pray for nations. And I remember having the thought, man, that's too big a prayer. Maybe I ought to pray for revival in a city before I begin to pray for revival in a nation, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? I mean, it made sense to me. But then I read this verse, and this blew my mind. This is what it says, Isaiah 49, 6. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved one of Israel. I will give you a light to the Gentiles that you shall be my salvation to the ends of the earth. You know what he's saying? These people were praying, redeem Israel. Bring Israel back. Restore Israel. But Isaiah is prophesying, Israel is too small. You're thinking too little. What I am going to do is I am going to send the light of the world. And it's not just going to be salvation for the descendants of Jacob. It is going to be salvation for the whole world. Don't ever limit God. Don't ever limit God. One nation, oh, that's too small. I know it seems big. Somebody sent a word to me today, a prophetic word from Ted Shuttlesworth, a word about Hawaii and revival. And, and, and you know, I, I hear people, oh, I've been hearing that my entire life. First of all, can I just tell you, not every state is getting words like that. I grew up in Illinois. I never got one word about revival coming to Illinois. Uh, you know, maybe individual churches. Uh, but there are so many words about Hawaii and how God is going to do something here. We'll be the first Christian state. And we're believing that even from this location, there's going to be a hub of revival that is going to literally touch the entire nation. And you think, man, oh, it's too big a prayer to pray revival for America. Oh, we're backsliding. Oh, there's no hope. Oh, there's so many atheists. Oh, there's so many unbelievers. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. God wants to redeem the world. Not just nations. Not just a people group. Not just an ethnic group. He wants to redeem the world. He is the light of the world. It's so important. So, what happens here now? Oh, this is so incredible. This is so incredible. Here they are. Jesus is standing and he's making this claim to be the light of the world in, in uh, the, the temple treasury. And there was a, a period of time, what they would do is they were, uh, they were during a week, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of stuttering. My wife will tell me, spit it out, come on. Um, they were... In a week that they called the illumination of the temple. 
It was towards the end of this 40 days of celebration. And what the, what the illumination of the temple was is they were actually remembering this period of time where the children of Israel were led around in the desert by a pillar of cloud by day. And who remembers? Pillar of fire by night. And so what they would do is during this illumination of the temple, uh, what they would do is in the court treasury, okay, outdoors at night, they would light fires all around the court, giant candelabras, big torches they would carry around. I mean, it was crazy. They'd have fires all over the place. They would have music. They would have dancing and celebration all in this temple treasury. In fact, they would they talk about, you can read, historians have said that actually it looked like a diamond in the middle of the city. You would look at night and it was so bright, all of the lights and all of the fire that was coming from the temple during that time, it literally would provide light that you could see for miles. And so you imagine this is going on, right? They're lighting and they're, they've got this whole entire court that is filled with torches and lights and everything. And Jesus stands up in the middle of this and says, I am the light of the world. They are there honoring a ritual. Now, it doesn't say what time of day it was that Jesus came and he said this. Maybe it was at night when all of the torches were lit. And he stands up and says, you guys are remembering something in the past. That pillar of fire isn't there any longer. I am the light of the world. Maybe it was during the day where the fires had been put out. They were going to be put on. You imagine the significance of what he was saying if he said, I am the light of the world. I'm here forever. Those lights get put out. I will never be extinguished. You guys, this is a big deal. And so Jesus is standing here in the middle of the treasury, and he says, I am the light of the world. And then the second part of verse 12. Now this is important. If there's any one thing that you get out of today, Remember this right here. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is really important. It's not enough that you believe there's a light. It's not enough that you gather for the ritual, for the ceremony, and acknowledge the light. It's not even enough that you come within the radiation of the light. The question is, do you have the light? That's what he says. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And you'll notice something. I, I, I grieved very deeply this last week when we saw another notable minister fall into into sin and made front page news you guys you probably saw it it was all over social media and it was all over the secular news these guys eat this kind of stuff up and i know there's people that probably question well how in the world could something like that happen how could such a notable and significant leader fall into that level of sin i mean what's going on my heart breaks over situations, but guys, I'm going I'm to tell you the secret to never backsliding. You want to know what it is? Here's how you can never fall away. It doesn't matter if you're in ministry. It doesn't matter if you're just beginning now to walk with the Lord. The way you will avoid falling into sin, walk in the light. It really is that simple. Because you'll notice that if you stay close to the light of the world, it naturally extinguishes all darkness. It will extinguish all darkness. And it's like, man, I've got this darkness that's growing in my life. I've got this thing that's on the inside. Get close to the light. It will expel darkness. I, I'm, I'm amazed. I mean, this last week we were talking about the demonic in our, in our staff training. And I, I wrote a book on the topic called Dealing with Darkness about casting out devils and all that. It's a good fun read. And uh, what I've noticed 
is very often we've been in church services. We've been in worship meetings, especially if they're like prayer meetings, you know, rocking on prayer all night, all night worship, all night prayer. And you'll have these moments where we've seen individuals begin to manifest demonic power. And what is it? As the light increases in an area, what you'll find is it exposes darkness. In fact, if you guys, uh, you, you want to know how I'm praying right now in this turbulent, confusing political season? This, this whole season, COVID, the elections, I mean, this whole process, you know what it is really revealed to me? There is zero trust when it comes to, I don't care what degree you have on the wall. I don't care what political office you have. I don't care if it's CNN or Fox News or some, some other entity. There is zero trust. I don't believe those numbers. I don't believe that outcome. I don't believe. And, and it's, it's sad to me that there is so little faith in any of the voices that should have authority. What I'm praying, God, expose darkness. Expose every lie of the enemy expose every deception now you guys might find out that lies are exposed and covid is just as bad as we think it is but at least we know the truth we may have lies exposed and biden is the president but at least we know the truth my thing is i trust the lord no matter which way we're going i just want to know that it's true we need to pray god shine a light that's how we need to live our lives don't keep things hidden in darkness. I'm telling you, friend, you've got areas in your life that you're bound. The best thing in the world you could do, shine a light. Get it out in the open. Tell somebody about it. Pray for me, please. I'll tell you, the devil would love, he, he loves to dwell in secrecy. He'll try and grip you in shame. Well, this is embarrassing, so I don't want to go talk about this. No, that wound is too deep. I don't want to talk about this. No, I've never told anybody about it. In fact, you want to know, one of the things that I do when I'm dealing in deliverance, and if I've got somebody who's in front of me and they have dealt with the same issue for many, 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 many years, and they've gone to many different people, anointed, you know, some purely, you know, from, a, from an academic standpoint or whatever, and they cannot find freedom. Here's, here's the question that I ask them. What is it that happened or you did that you want to tell nobody about? What is that thing that you've never told anybody? I remember one occasion there was a, there was a lady who, was, who came to me. Her husband was there. My wife was there. And, and she's sitting there in our office and she was one. She'd gone to conferences. She's gone to meetings. She'd gone to professional counselors. She'd gone to deliverance ministers. And yet she was still in this constant bondage. And I remember she's sitting there in front and I asked her, what is it that happened that you don't want to tell anybody about? And in that moment, she sat there and then she began to share. I was abused sexually by a family member who I trusted. And I'm telling you, with that one word that was spoken, we watched. It was, it was like this fog, this darkness just completely lifted. What happened? She shone a light in this area of affliction that the enemy had been hanging in for so many years. But in one moment, light began to come into that thing. And I'm telling you, she didn't have to confess. I didn't even have to pray. That thing was completely broken the moment that she made that confession. Confession's powerful. Don't let things hang in darkness. Let me tell you another story. You guys like stories? I've done a lot of teaching, but I had a, a good friend of mine. He's a prophet. He's he based out of Dallas. His name is Will Ford. And his wife, De Havilland Ford, they're, they're powerful prophets. And uh, Will was in a meeting on one occasion. Now, this is probably eight or nine years ago. I have to look at the time frame. We could find it really quickly and you'll, you'll see why. He got a word of knowledge that there was somebody in the room who had been sexually abused by a person of great influence. Now he moved on and he shared other things. He didn't want to embarrass that person, but 
As soon as they opened up the altars for prayer, there was a girl who came down, come to find out she was an actress. She'd been involved in Hollywood, and she confessed for the first time in her life that she had been repeatedly abused and hurt by, I don't know if I should say the name, probably shouldn't, but a very high-level figure, one that you've all seen in the news and media. She shares this for the first time in her life. The next week, there were three women who came forward and shared that this same person had abused them, had assaulted them over their years as they were acting in Hollywood, many of them as they were children. And we watched over the coming years. This person's in prison now because of his actions. But that went unaddressed for over 30 years. It was never. But the moment that God shone a light and somebody said, it's me. It's, I'll step into the light. It was like not only was the darkness in her expelled, but it did that same thing, I mean, for, for so many others around. Don't discount the power of confession. Walk in the light. You will not walk in darkness. Oh, this is so powerful, guys. I'm getting excited. Oh, my goodness. We hear, you know what it all comes down to, really? Is obedience. You think about, I have this thought. Have you ever thought about this? I've actually been to Egypt, and we drove up to the Red Sea. And, um, and what was neat about going up there, the desert there is exactly like what you think a desert would be rolling hills of sand and and, I mean just as far as the eye can see and I just like and we went to the point where they believe the children of Israel actually crossed over the Red Sea uh, onto the other side and began there into the into the desert and here's what's mind-boggling to me they are following around a pillar of fire for 40 years you imagine they come to a plot of sand they set up their tent they set up their fire. They get their little house set up. Maybe you got kids and you get all nine of your kids because, you know, that's what they did back in those days. You get a lot of kids. And, uh, and so you get your whole family there set up. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you barely get set up and that pillar of fire starts moving. So you got to get all the kids together. And you pack up the tent. You extinguish the fire. You cover it in sand. I don't know what they did. And, and you begin to follow that fire. And you're following that fire. And then it stops. Maybe it's miles away. Maybe it goes 100 yards and it stops. Maybe you're traveling for days and then it stops. Every occasion I'm sure was different. And then they stop. And you look around. And it's another plot of sand. And it looks exactly like the plot of sand that you just left. And you might wonder, well, what in the world was the point of that? You ever think about this? You guys got to try and just put yourself in the position of the Bible sometime and what these guys went through. That was pointless. I can imagine they get, I mean, you wonder why these guys were always whining to Moses. You put yourself in their shoes. You begin to understand. You eat the same thing every day. You're going to get grumpy. You're not going to understand why. But here's what it's all about. Obedience. Obedience. I'm telling you, if there's anything, I was was listening to uh, my spiritual father. His wife actually was sharing about how they saw revival poured out in Brownsville, Florida. And they... She said, you know, it wasn't just some, you know, overnight explosion and revival just fell. No, it was one act of obedience after another. She says, we've had this process going our entire lives. We would hear and we would obey. Hey, there's a few empty spaces on the choir. You should go fill that. They would hear and obey. Hey, we need some help in the youth ministry on Monday night. They would hear and they would obey. Hey. We need a couple people to go on a mission trip. We've got a few more slots. Would you go and take three weeks over in Argentina? They would hear 
and they would obey. And it was one act of obedience after another, after another, after another. Next news you know, they've started Teen Challenge Centers. They've planted churches. They've done major crusades. They've seen revival poured out in many churches. They touch the nation through this God-birthed revival. The formula was simple, just like it was here. Walk in the light, not in darkness, and you will have the light of life. It's very important. Oh, my goodness. I got through one verse. I have many more, but it's time to close. Minister Ryland, will you come? I, I do want to share one more thought. The, the, the coming verses, I, I, I really wanted to go through this expository. I didn't even give you. I had some points for you. But that's okay. Let me draw your attention to one, one, one idea here, and then, and then we're, we're done. Jesus had critics that began to rise up as he brought forth this teaching. And, and don't ever be discouraged by critics. You will always have people who hate what you do, hate what you preach. They're going to criticize your Jesus post on, online. You're always going to have haters. In fact, if you never have haters, you're probably not doing it right. I'm just telling you. Jesus, I talked two weeks ago about how he was the rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. You're going to offend people. You need to be okay with that. In fact, those of you who are moving into ministry, here's what I encourage you. I pray for an anointing like a duck. And that's what you need. Minister Lee, you need that. Anybody who's going to do any realm of ministry, you need an anointing like a duck. Well, what in the world are you talking about? You ever see a duck? You ever pour water on a duck? It just it runs right off of them. It will not even cling to them. You can't get water to puddle on a duck. You pour the water on and it just, it just rolls right off. And that's how we need to be. I'm telling you, as Christians, as the deaf anointing, yeah, sure. Oh, the what? The duck anointing. The duck anointing. I thought you said the death anointing. Yes. <laughs> but you need that. I'm just telling you. I mean, I say for, for those who are moving into ministry, but I'm to, to walk as a Christian these days, what is it, man? We, we get so easily offended. Our culture is so easily offended. Let's, let's not be that. We need to pray for... It just rolls right off my back. It just, it just falls right off. You want to know where Jesus, he says in verse 14, I, I love this. They're questioning him. They're judging him. And he says, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. You know, you know what that is? That's identity. Jesus knew where he was from and he knew where he was going. You can accuse me all day long. You can question that I'm the light of the world, but I, I know where I'm coming from and I know where I'm going. You say I need two witnesses to prove who I am. Well, that's fine. I'm one and my father in heaven is another. We got two. Okay. I mean, that's literally what he says. When you dig into this, that's exactly what he says. His authority was seated in his identity. I mean, that's it. You want to have confidence to operate in healing, to cast out devils for God's supernatural provision? You need to get a grasp on who you belong to, where you come from, where you're going. That's identity. Why do I pray with confidence? Someone's got a sickness in their body. And you guys, we've seen some wild miracles. We've seen some incredible miracles. You can get on my YouTube channel. I've got a, got a video of a young girl who had cerebral palsy, had never walked in her life, would drag herself around on her hands and knees in one healing meeting, she was completely restored. Documented miracle. We don't know why. I, I, I'll step into these situations boldly, and you should too. And the reason is, is because I've got one foot in heaven. And I understand that I'm able to lay hold of the resources, the power, the kingdom of heaven, because that's where my citizenship is. We are heirs and we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places above every principality, power, ruler of darkness. You understand that? Sickness must kneel. 
Oppression must kneel. Generational curses will not stand. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. I'll just read you this verse and we close. John 12, 35. John 12, 35. For a little while longer, the light is with you. He's about to be crucified. He's preparing his disciples for this. Walk while you have the light. Don't let darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light and you will become sons of the light. While you have the light, talking about Jesus, believe in the light and you will become sons of the light. And watch what he does here. The next, the last part of this uh, verse uh, 36 now, John 12, 35 and 36. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Jesus gave them a small window. I'm here. Believe and you will become. And he left. And I'm telling you guys, the Lord has provided us all with a window of opportunity to get saved, to step into what He's called us to do. And there's moments where the Lord stops tugging, He stops knocking, and He goes, and He's hidden. And I, I'm moved by the fact that there will be people who spend eternity in hell. And their cry is going to be, I was going to get right. I was going to give my life. I was going to get serious about God. But they miss that moment. There's going to be people, this motivates me still today. There's going to be people that stand before God on judgment day. They'll have made it into heaven. They're going to be welcomed in but they will have nothing to show for the life that they live for Jesus. Lord, I thought I had more time. Yeah, I always thought that I was going to help over there. I always thought that I would go to that nation. I always thought that I was going to serve over here. I always thought that I would lead people to the Lord, but I, I got right, and man, I just I didn't have as much time as I thought. We have a window right now. Let's take it seriously. Let's take it seriously. I want you to stand to your feet all across this room right now. You guys, I'm, you know what I'm more excited about than just about anything? When we get in that front room, we're actually going to be able to have altar space. We like to give altar calls in our church. I like to pray for people and... Watch the power of God touch them. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now, I want to ask you, are you walking in the light? Or are there areas of darkness on the inside of you? Have you received the light of the world? Have you believed in the light of the world? Because Jesus said, if you do, you will become sons and daughters of the light. Is that where you're at today? I know there's people here today that you're away from the Lord. You've got sin in your life. There's areas of darkness you don't want to share. You don't want to talk about. But I implore you today, let's get our heart right with the Lord. Let's allow Him to shine His light in every area of our life. Not only will you be forgiven, but the Lord's desire is to set you free. And I believe that can happen today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got sin in my life. I've got things that I need to get right with the Lord. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Nobody's looking around. But I just want to see if you say, Pastor, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus to cleanse me and to wash me today. I've got things in my life that I'm ashamed of that I'm harassed over, 
that I'm in bondage to, but today I say, I, I want freedom, I want liberty. If that, if that be you, nobody looking around, would you just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, see you. Yeah, so many, so many, yeah, yeah, I see you. There, are there others? So between me, you, and the Lord, I just want to know who I'm praying for. Yeah, I see you, I see you there. I see you over there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. The next thing, if you're here, you say, Pastor, I, I, I've walked close with the Lord, but I've, I find that I'm not walking in the light like I should. I find that I'm, I, I'm, I'm drifting towards darkness. But today, I want to get serious about God. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step towards the light, and I'm going to move towards Jesus, and I'm not going to stop. If that be you, you say, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my course right. If that be you, would you lift your hand so I know who that is? Yeah, 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 yeah. So many, so many. Hallelujah. Can we just all across this room right now just lift our hands to the Lord? And I want to lead us in a prayer. I want to lead us in a declaration. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we would be saved. We confess him as Lord. We believe in our heart he was raised from the dead. We will be born again. So come on, let's just pray this together right now. Right out loud. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me and make me brand new. I ask you, Expose darkness on the inside of me and reveal your light. I accept you. I believe in you. And I ask you, help me become a son or daughter of the light. I thank you for your hand on my life. Be my savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. Wash away every one of my sins. And set me free from every bondage in the name of Jesus. Heal every wound in my heart or in my mind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, I just want you to, let's just ask the, let's just ask Holy Spirit to come right now. If you have the liberty to pray in the Spirit, I just want you to begin to do that right now. Just feel like God wants to do a little bit more. Come on, just begin to, to lift up your voice right now. Let's ask Holy Spirit to fill us right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Oh, would you fill us in this place? Would you anoint us afresh by your spirit and by your fire, mighty God? Oh, let your anointing increase over our lives. Oh, we ask you, Lord, to fill us to overflowing in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Oh, mighty God. Oh, I pray that you would move and minister by your Holy Spirit. Oh, I ask that you would come. You would come, Lord. Fill us to overflowing in the mighty name of Jesus. Anoint us, Lord to do all that you've called us to do. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. Oh, come, Lord. Come, Lord. Oh, mighty God.